1: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely in the right place. Let's see what the buzz is today. I have an interesting quote from a writer named Gia Marie Del Prado from Tech Insider. This is an article from 2015, but I think it's still very relevant. Listen up. The buzz. The majority of science fiction movies feature killer robots. Some show what our near future will look like. Others are so far-fetched. So what are we talking about here? Let's do a reality check. Machine learning and the world of AI. You know, if you're listening regularly, AI is artificial intelligence. Machine learning and the world of artificial intelligence are no longer the stuff of science fiction. They are here now, today, as I'm speaking to you. And guess what? Many businesses and industries are taking advantage of them. So as a new breed of software capable of learning without being explicitly programmed, that's what this is all about. Machine and deep learning go beyond human capabilities. In other words, they're thinking faster, more analytically, more comprehensively than you or I or my guest today Than all together we can do. They're capable of accessing analyzing and finding patterns in big data. So now it's even easier to unlock this potential with embedded machine learning capabilities and services via the cloud. We're bringing in a lot of topics today. So my question to all of you out there listening to us on the business channel here on World Talk Radio, is your company sitting on the sidelines? Are you waiting? Are you ready to dip your toe in the water? Is machine learning still a very foreign concept for you? Is AI still scary? Do you still think it's sci-fi? Do you need more convincing? Okay. Okay, the answer is we've got a very interesting panel for you today, and I think we're going to convince you that the time is now. It's here, it's real, and it's business-oriented. So my two panelists today, delighted to have on board, and I'll introduce them in just a second, Alex White, the Vice President of Enterprise Business in EMEA for NVIDIA, spelled N-V-I-D-I-A. We're going to talk to Alex about what his company does. I hear they're a wow company. And joining him on the panel is my colleague at SAP, Ryan Vero-Butler, and he will help me repronounce that name when I introduce him in a minute. Global Vice President in the Corporate Business Development and Platform Innovation Group at SAP. Ryan, that's a very long business card. So now let me introduce Alex White with the quote he sent me. The quote is very well-known. Most people think it came from Alan Kay, Peter Drucker, Abraham Lincoln. Not. It's from a gentleman named Dennis Gabor. Let me read the quote, then I'll read the background so you know what I'm talking about. The best way to predict your future is to create it. Yes, Dennis Gabor lived from 1900 to 1979, a Hungarian-British electrical engineer and physicist, most notably invented holography. You know holograms? He later received the 1971 Nobel Prize in physics. And this quote, came from his 1963 book, Inventing the Future. There you go. Alex White, such a pleasure to have you on today. How are you, Alex?
3: Very good, Bonnie. Good morning.
2: Good morning. Happy now. Where are you calling from? Bernie has it. Uh, says that you're across the pond. Where are you today?
3: Actually, I, I'm uh, just southwest of London.
2: Okay. I hope everything is good there. You're a little bit later than we are. Right, I'm here in New beautiful. York. I'm glad it is here, too. I think you sent it over to us because you're earlier than we are. Well, you're later, so it already happened there. So thank you for the beautiful weather. So, Alex, talk to me about this quote. The best way to predict your future is to create it. And we're talking about machine learning, deep learning, AI, robots, intelligence beyond what you and I and Ryan and and all of our colleagues can do. What does this quote mean to you? Okay.
3: Okay. Well, I, I like this quote for, for a number of different reasons. Um, first of all, I think it's topical to what we're going to be talking about today. Dennis Gabor, as you mentioned in his book in 1963, was writing about the capability of machines and computers at a time when there was a lot of debate about artificial intelligence and how this was going to revolutionize technology and society. So it was, it was written at a time when AI was really widely debated. I, I, secondly, I like it because it's action-oriented. For me, the point of this is that you need to do something, that mm-hmm. we are in control of, of the choice that we're going to make, but we must do something to create the future. Thirdly, I think in terms of uh, when Dennis was was writing about technology and at the time that AI was being deba- debated, it was widely thought that machines would not be able to predict the future. They would not be able to go beyond human capability and i think that has changed we're seeing evidence where for example in a self-driving car the computer inside the car does have to predict from the situational analysis from the information that it has the machine is going to make a decision where it's going to be on the road relative to other vehicles other things at the Mm -hmm. time of day at the speed at the size of vehicle that, that is running on the road that is not something that could have been predicted when Dennis was writing about uh, artificial intelligence, but it is a reality today. And, and lastly, you know, I think the point that, that we are um, still in control, we are the masters of our fate. Dennis Gabor very much believed that. And I think that whilst these technologies are extraordinary and they're really exciting and they're changing businesses and they're changing how people think about services and how they live their lives, we, we are controlling how the technology is being used. This is, this is not a thinking robot. This is not a science fiction uh, Terminator-type uh, mm-hmm. device. This is something that we are using to augment society, to make our lives better, to improve the human condition. And I think that's why I like this uh, quote the most.
2: Alex, that was probably one of the best, most eloquent quote explanations I've had on the radio in a, a long time. Very, Boy, very funny. well put. Well, thank you. Now, I have a question for you before I introduce Ryan, and I know he's waiting very patiently to talk about his quote. Alex, in my opening, I asked the question. I actually pushed the question very hard to our listeners. Are you on the sidelines? Are you ready to dip your toe in the water? Do you need more convincing? Is there any, any industry, any company you can think of today that shouldn't be embracing this creating your future opportunity with machine learning, with AI, and anybody who shouldn't be involved? What do you think?
3: Well, honestly, I, I think the answer is no. I think it's already pervasive, and the majority of people who are doing it actually are just getting on with it and not really talking about it, but it's already impacting all of our lives on a daily basis. I'm sure we'll get into that discussion as we join the debate with Ryan, but, you know, for example, the way in which we shop and the way in which we expect to be delighted when we're in a retail situation is really being driven by tech- technology. You know, I think that um, the whole customer ex- service experience, when you think about mm-hmm. even a few years ago, certainly a decade ago, you know, using a telephone answering service was, was really mundane, really hard, spending a long time online just getting through the service options. Many service businesses are still in that stage of development of technology. They're still trying to offer a pretty basic service. But I know that I can go and shop or spend my money or spend my time with businesses who are far beyond that kind of basic um, uh, response. And those chatbots or those artificial intelligence algorithms that are running inside machines, better informed, better able to serve you, they're offering... Speed of thought answers to questions that you have, and that is the promise of AI that we're living in today.
2: Thank you. I can't imagine anybody not wanting to be on board after listening to you. Thank you, Alex White. Pleasure to have you on. And in a couple of minutes, we'll find out about your company. And now, with pleasure, I introduce somebody I met when I was hosting a lot of radio shows for Game Changers at SAP Sapphire Now in May in Orlando. His name is Ryan Virubutla. I think I got it right this time. And Ryan has sent us a quote of fascinating quote, as well as the one Alex sent us, a quote from Edward Teller. If you're not familiar, you should be. Teller lived from 1908 to 2003. He was also, he was Hungarian-American, whereas Gabor was Hungarian-British. Hungarian-American theoretical physicist, born in Hungary, and he is known as the father of the hydrogen bomb, but he didn't love the title, so there. Uh, He emigrated to the U.S. in the 1930s and was an early member of the Manhattan Project, charged with the developing the first atomic bomb. And by sheer coincidence, Ryan, I was watching a a repeat of Jeopardy that I taped four days ago last night, and one of the questions was uh, something about an early project that had to do with the bomb, and I blurted out from my safety of my couch, the Manhattan Project, and it was right. I would have won $2,000. Too bad. I wasn't on Jeopardy. So there. That's from reading the background. So the quote Ryan has selected from Mr. Edward Teller is, the science of today is the technology of tomorrow. Ryan, welcome to Game Changers. How are
4: you? Uh, I am doing great, Bonnie. Uh, good to be back on the show. Yeah, We, we did have a great time at Sapphire. Uh, glad to do a follow-up on that. Wonderful. Um, so, perfect. <clears throat> Talking about the quote, I love that quote for a number of reasons. First of all, it shows the evolution of new ideas, new concepts, Most of the concepts start out as uh, experimental science, and they slowly graduate, and then finally, when they're ready for mass adoption, they turn into technology. So this quote from Edward Teller kind of captures the journey from science all the way to mass adoption as technology. And it's very much apt for machine learning, uh, especially so because it's moving from what was experimental science a few years back to being mass-adopted across the board in different industries, in different consumer scenarios. And we are seeing this all around us. So self-driving cars that was uh, really an experimental science a few years back now is becoming a reality. It's becoming a technology that most of the automobile companies are now adopting. Same thing with facial recognition or voice recognition, or natural language processing, all these few years back were science (coughs) concepts. They're being used widely now. If you take Facebook, the the image recognition is widely used for tagging photos. Every one of us knows that very well. You have, uh, and Alex referred to this, all these uh, automated systems that capture voice prompts and then act based on natural voice. So things are kind of evolving from a machine learning perspective from a science to technology, which is, which is perfect for the topic today. By the way, as a side note, as these mm-hmm. concepts go from science to technology, we need to manage this entire process for betterment of society. And no one knows this journey from science to technology better than Edward Teller. As you said, Edward Teller was a a physicist who Mm -hmm. discovered many of the key concepts, theoretical concepts behind nuclear fusion and nuclear fission. Now, these concepts are used widely for nuclear power generation in medicine and other peaceful purposes. At the same time, the same concepts were used to create the highly destructive hydrogen bomb as well. Uh, So so the technology can be adopted for multiple purposes, and the idea Mm -hmm. is to use it in such a way that it betters the overall society. From a machine learning perspective, we all agree it's got tremendous potential. It can change the productivity across the board. It can increase the productivity of all enterprises across all industries if managed correctly. And we'll go into more details as we go into this show. But we glad to be on the show, Bonnie.
2: Thank you, Ryan. And <clears throat> excuse me, I'm clearing my Tuesday morning throat here. It's our first day of the week uh, back on broadcasting. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We do five shows a week here on Game Changers. But, Ryan, I have to tell you that uh, another question on Jeopardy was about a very famous movie. And they asked who was the inspiration for the character Dr. Strangelove in 1964. Do you know who that was? I think you know. The inspiration, one of the inspirations for Dr. Strangelove was Edward Teller. What do you think of that, Ryan? So I was really enjoying, yeah. <laughs> enjoying Jeopardy, the one, the tape one. I think it was from last Friday because I I had just put together the notes for the show uh, from your comments and Alex's, and I was recognizing some of these themes. Very interesting. So Alex White, I'm coming around the table to you, and I have a little bit of a personal question. We already know you're somewhere near London, but I want to know, Alex White. I know you're a you're a powerful person, very very smart gentleman, in a great industry, and I want to ask, what are you drinking right now that powers you? To be so smart, um, what are you drinking in your cup or what would you rather be drinking later? What's your favorite drink that makes you smile, Alex White?
3: Yeah, I am smiling as you asked me that question. I had to think about the answer to this one, honestly. I'm, I'm holding in my hand a, a cup of water, but uh, I, I wanted to really think about that analogy because the sun is shining here in London, as I mentioned earlier, and so it got me thinking about summertime and the holiday we have coming up later this year as a family. We're going back to the Caribbean, but... The first Ooh. time I was in the Caribbean, I was on the island of St. Kitts, and uh, if you bear with me, I'll, I'll bring this back too. <coughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, to Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Artificial intelligence, but imagine the scene. So St. Kitts is a beautiful island. If you've never been there, I highly recommend it, but the Caribbean in general is just a great, great place to visit. But St. Kitts in particular is very unspoilt, underdeveloped, no really very big hotels. There are a few, but... You can go to plenty of places on the island and, and really feel like you're, on, you're completely isolated. And uh, we asked the, the hotel we were staying in, you know, was there a place we could go, a local beach that was really beautiful that we would enjoy the most? And they gave us directions, which basically meant we had to travel along the single road uh, from the hotel. is quite a small island, but, but then travel down a dirt track about two kilometers to this uh, secluded beach. And we were, we were literally on our own for a long time. I think another family came along sometime mid-morning. But we've been on the Mm -hmm. beach for maybe three or four hours. And I'm in the water with the boys. And, uh, of course, I get to thinking about, well, what are we going to do for lunch? Because we've come two kilometers down this road, five kilometers back to the hotel. (laughs) I'm going to have to start to get things uh, going here. And uh, out of the corner of my eye, literally, I saw this little fishing boat chugging along the shoreline and getting closer to closer. And there's two guys on board the boat, local guys. Um, and it stops, and one of them jumps out and starts collecting firewood on the beach, and he puts the firewood into uh, a pile and starts to light the firewood. And then they get a pot uh, off the boat, and you know they've, they've brought some locally caught fish. And he comes over to see me and says, excuse me, sir, the hotel, let me know that you would be here. We've caught this local fish. We'd love to cook it for you. Are you interested? And of course. We were. We had the most fantastic meal. No kidding, buddy, It was the best meal of the entire week. It was, of course, uh, very, very fresh. And he wow. had a box of cold beers on the boat. And that was the <laughs> best drink I had had the entire week, the entire day. And I was also ready for it. My expectation of AI is exactly the same as that. Intuitively know when I'm going <laughs> to eat something before I need it and then bring it to me at the time I need it. And uh, that's what got me thinking about the Caribbean.
2: Oh, what a beautiful story. Uh, Alex, you have transported me. (laughs) I don't feel like I'm in my office here on on Long Island. I feel like I'm sitting there. I'm enjoying the fish and the cold beer with you. And I, I agree. It didn't matter what kind of beer it was. It was like, wow, this is... Absolutely perfect. There are times when it's just a confluence, and, and you're so right about AI. Uh, we, we could hope we could hope that it will always bring that that delightful experience, which you mentioned before. Thank you for sharing the story. That was, I have to tell you, it was delicious. <laughs> I mean that in every, every sense of the word. I have to calm this down now and get back to business here. Thank you, Mr. White. Appreciate that. And by the way, before I go to Ryan and find out what he's drinking... Alex, tell us just, if I were in an elevator with you for 90 seconds, okay, it's a kind of slow elevator, but we're in a very tall building, what would you tell me that NVIDIA does? Tell me just a little bit about your company, please.
3: Uh, yeah, I'd love to. So, Nvidia's a 25-year-old company or thereabouts. Um, we have just over 10,000 employees. Eighty-five percent of those are working in engineering software and hardware engineering. So, we're an innovation company. We're focused on engineering innovation. And in 1999, NVIDIA invented something called the graphics processing unit, the GPU, which mm-hmm. revolutionized two things. The PC gaming market, NVIDIA today is the largest gaming platform provider for uh, for PC gamers and gamers of every kind, delighting uh, how they play the game. We also um, completely changed and modernized uh, graphic virtualization. So when you think about how um, you use augmented reality or virtual reality, NVIDIA technology is at the heart of that, but we're also able to bring that to everybody in the workplace, whether you're working in the office or you're mobile, you need to use rich graphics in your day-to-day work, especially when you consider the amount of information that's coming via video and via the internet today. And then in the last decade, NVIDIA has really invested in artificial intelligence, and today we are uh, proud to call ourselves an AI computing company. We are building a platform for AI and also the science behind AI to accelerate every developer, every company to be able to use this technology. And we spotted that opportunity uh, really before everybody else. As I said, 10 years ago, a lot of investment, nearly $10 billion of investment have gone into into that marketplace. Um, And today we're recognized by many commentators, but most recently, the MIT Technology Review recognized us as the number one smartest uh, company in technology, uh, ranking alongside companies like Amazon and SpaceX. In fact, Amazon uh, were the previous uh, award winners for that uh, category, and the year before it was Tesla Motors, so we're very proud of that.
2: I think you should be. That's quite an accolade. I'm tweeting here on SAP Radio, hashtag SAP Radio, Alex J.B. White, explaining, uh, tag, NVIDIA is now investing in AI and is called the number one smartest tech company. Wow, that's quite an accolade. I was told that when when Brad Borkin at SAP, who sponsors this series, The Future of the Future with Game Changers, I was told that your company was very exciting and that it would be great to have you on, and uh, obviously you're living up to that claim. So thank you very much. but very Proud to have you on board, Alex. And now, Ryan, tell me where are you calling from and tell me something about what you love to drink. I don't know, you want to try and match the story from Alex White? That was quite a quite a story. What do you think, Ryan?
3: Well, just join me, Ryan. Uh,
4: it is. Great. Um, fish and beer sound great, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm calling from Palo Alto, West Coast. The day is just beginning here. Uh, I have a strong cup of Indian coffee in my hand. And for those of you who don't know what Indian coffee is, uh, the best way to describe it is it is very similar to the French coffee, or if you've been to New Orleans, that's what you get. Uh, You have coffee mixed with chicory, and that gives it a unique taste. That blend is somewhat unique from a taste perspective. Again, if you've been to New Orleans, I'm sure you've tasted this, and you know what I'm talking about.
2: Sounds delicious. Do you do anything with it? Do you put anything in it? Any spices? Any milk? Any cream? Or just
4: straight? What do you do with it? Uh, you, you definitely put milk and sugar in it. Uh, it is best enjoyed along with milk. Uh, it, it, it makes the it taste much more richer and palatable. It's essentially <laughs> coffee with chicory, uh, and, and the percentage is very depending on the country. French use slightly less chicory. New Orleans uses more. India, it's somewhere in the middle, but but it, it's essentially coffee-enhanced with additional flavors, if you will. That's the best way to put it. It sounds I, I lovely. I love it because yeah, yes. it's something different. It kind of makes me wake up in the morning. I look forward to it.
2: Well, that's nice. That's it. And I wake up in the morning looking forward to Game Changers Radio, being able to speak to you, Ryan, and Alex White. So you've already made my day. But I have to tell you, Alex, all I have here is a cup of water, a cool, clear mug with cool, clear water from a Brita filter, nothing exotic or sexy or anything. And the reason, Alex, Ryan may know this already, the reason is that they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. And today I have two shows an hour apart, so I think you understand why. So yeah, we well, yeah, energy's already up here. So I am thrilled to be talking with Alex White at NVIDIA and Ryan Virubutla at SAP. Our topic is a very important one. It's very timely machine learning futuristic sci-fi or business critical now. And before we go to break, I just want to reiterate something I haven't said in months on this series. When we first started this Future of the Future with Game Changers, I decided to find out exactly what the meaning of the future is. And I will read the definition, and I used to say in the early episodes, well, I'll tell you the definition. It's defined as the time or a period of time Following the moment of speaking or writing, it's time regarded as still to come. Some people believe a gypsy can tell your future. We have a much better solution. Tune in. Tune into Future of the Future with Game Changers. There you go. But my point is that the future is, there was. It's already the past. It was right after I paused. So we're talking about what's happening today with machine learning, what's happening with AI. Can your company afford to not be embracing this new tech? According to Alex White at NVIDIA, no, and many of you probably are. You may be doing it quietly, but even if you're not, we hope to inspire you because this is where the world is going. This is where business is going, and you need to survive and compete. I'll just leave it at that. We're going to take a quick break, 90 seconds. You can count them along with us, and we're going to come back, and Alex White will start the roundtable with me. We have a lot of very provocative topics here in his notes and Ryan's notes. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to still be after the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse. That app, that dial, you know the drill. Kevin out.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. An unprecedented pace of change driven by exciting technology advances like the Internet of Things is disrupting your industry and every other industry around the globe. Your future business success will be influenced by your ability to understand and harness these innovations and many more. Mobile devices instantaneously connecting the world populations. Robotics, 3D printing, and self-driving cars. The sharing economy and ubiquitous global business networks. Reality Check. The future is happening right now. Join us for insights from industry experts on what it all means for your business and your daily life. The future of the future with Game Changers as presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes
3: to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You're listening to the Future of the Future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.graham at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of the future with Game Changers.
2: Exactly right, the future of the future, and I'm speaking with two very important game changers, Alex White at NVIDIA and his company is a game changer, and Ryan Virubatla at SAP, both game changers in every sense of the word. We're talking today about a very important topic, machine learning. Is it futuristic sci-fi? Is it something you only see in the movies or read in books? Or is it business critical now? We're leaning toward the second one, business critical now. We're going to continue to tell you why. Alex White will start the roundtable, and here's what Alex told me in his notes before the show, so let me kick this off. Alex said we need to demystify the buzzwords. AI, artificial intelligence, is a very hot topic, but there is still confusion around the terms used to describe it. So, Mr. Alex White, why don't you unconfuse us? Go ahead.
3: Yeah, delighted, uh, Bonnie. I I think it helps in the context of, of any discussion on this topic really just to put it into a perspective. The way I think about it is like a Russian doll. So... Uh, dolls within dolls, as you might imagine. Um, mm-hmm. And there are three in this case. The largest doll is the field of AI, the whole scientific endeavor uh, that has really been around since the 1950s when Alan Turing and others speculated that machines would be able to think like humans, et cetera, et cetera. And then the whole era of science fiction really fed off that concept. But scientists have been working on these fields for a, a number of decades, initially developing pretty basic algorithms, uh, so-called machine learning algorithms. So this is the next doll. Uh, And this was to do very basic pattern recognition. One of the first might have been for a traveling salesman, for example. Mm -hmm. The the inherent problem with machine learning is that because of the the, the simplicity needed to bring to the process, because of the technology that was available as well at the time, we tended to do sampling of, of, of the data we used in the algorithm. Uh, we did pre-aggregation. We, we, we made sure we were directionally correct, that the scientists were able to statistically prove the prediction, the outcome from the data. But, of course, it meant that we were cutting away uh, other parameters that we might have uh, gained insight from. And that's where the third doll comes in. Modern AI really is is being enriched by deep learning, deeper algorithms, deeper scientific uh, study to a particular field. So this, this might be in healthcare looking for disease or disease prevention or drug development. This might be a self-driving car, as I mentioned earlier, or it could be as simple as just looking at patterns on networks. You think about 5G networks, they're going to be incredibly rich with, with data and uh, amazing amounts of traffic. And the reason deep lighting is being so successful is because you can apply much more data parameters to these deep learning algorithms, these deep neural networks. You can use new techniques, new scientific techniques that completely change the outcomes. You get significantly fewer errors, much improved uh, output, and this is driving, for example, things like natural language processing, which Ryan mentioned a little bit earlier. Companies are able to do Chinese, Mandarin to English translation near perfect, near mm. superhuman capability. This is, this is the field of deep learning. So that's how I think about the concept of AI um, and the uh, breakthrough work and the things we're going to talk about next, I think more often are coming from the area of deep learning.
2: Thank you. Very interesting. I was intrigued by the concept, the visual of the nested doll. Let's see what Ryan thinks. Ryan, you agree, disagree? You want to add on to that very astute observation from Alex White? Talk to me.
4: Uh, so, so first of all, having different layers in, in artificial intelligence, uh, the nested dolls is a great analogy. I agree with you. Uh, and I also agree that deep learning is where there's a lot of uh, research going on right now, and it's fast developing into a fascinating area. But I, there's one area I want to differ. When I, when I talk about enterprises, the topic of a conversation, Deep learning is very important, but rest of the technologies are equally important because they are low hanging fruit that can be accomplished with the traditional machine learning techniques that are easy to get. They're probably <coughs> first step in the journey for a lot of enterprises. So I agree, deep learning is important, but I would not say exclusively. Other technologies are equally important in the context of enterprise applications.
3: I completely agree with that, Bonnie. Okay. Um, just yeah. to say, you know, all those Russian dolls are intact, so nothing's broken, nothing's thrown away. We, we, we keep all three of them. I completely agree with Ryan. At the starting point for, for most companies, for most scientists, is, is still machine learning because that's uh, where we've done most of the education in the last several decades. But more and more, the new skills and, and the new possibilities are coming from, from other techniques. And also because you know, we live in a world of ever-increasing amounts of data you know, we haven't even connected uh, things uh, in our network uh, between the Internet and the car, the home, the thing, the device, the phone, etc. Very few of those are actually connected to how we live our day-to-day lives. The promise of IoT and the, the promise of a, you know, a fully connected, insightful uh, world of, of possibilities, you know, this, this requires a different approach in terms of technology, in terms of science and the models that you use to gain insight from the world around you.
2: Thank you very much, Alex. And Ryan, I'm looking at your notes here. We've covered a couple of these topics a little bit, but I tell you what, um, let's bring in the term IoT, because I know you can link it. You say many businesses are investing in IoT. Those of you looking for more alphabet soup, we've got it for you. That's the Internet of Things, and we actually have a whole separate series that's sponsored by Ira Burke and his team at SAP called the Internet of Things with Game Changers, one of our biggest audience draws, actually. IoT is one of our most popular topics. And Ryan told me, he said, IoT applications can generate huge amounts of data which need machine learning to develop to deliver the full business benefit. So I'm going to let you add the IoT alphabet into this conversation. Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit more, please?
4: Perfect, Bonnie. Uh, So Internet of Things uh, generates vast amounts of data. Typically, these are sensors. Uh, sensors in uh, industries and factories and aircraft engines. Whatever is the application that's producing these periodic alerts essentially end up with a large pool of data. And the real trick is to turn this data into actionable insights. And uh, in the past, we used to apply traditional analytics on this, and that's got some uh, benefits. And you can certainly get some interesting insights out of it, but it's still fundamentally limited. Where IoT has taken a huge step forward is when we applied machine learning to these vast pools of data that the companies are collecting. For example, predictive maintenance. If you're getting the sensor data from each of the machines, you can certainly apply statistical models to figure out when the machine can break, but that is inherently complex and also limited because the amount of programming that's required. On the other hand, you can have machine learning learn the patterns and learn what is happening in real time <clears throat> from the vast amount of data that you're collecting, and then predict when the machine is going to fail based on the historical <laughs> patterns, which is a lot more accurate and also a lot more achievable because you're not programming or looking for specific features in your data. Rather, than you're looking at the holistic data set. So that's one great example. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other examples that we see in the industry, people are using machine vision, uh, one of the branches of machine learning, to do quality assurance on the fly. In a factory, whenever you need a visual inspection of a part that's manufactured, traditionally you had a human go there you know, measure the part, stop the line, and, and figure out if the part is meeting manufacturing specifications, yes or no, and mm-hmm. then take next steps, which is all manual, very time-consuming, and also mm-hmm. it's a productivity killer if there is an issue with the particular part. In the modern world, what has that transformed to? It's transformed to machine vision. As the part moves on the assembly chain from one station to another station, It automatically takes a picture of the part and then analyzes the tolerances and see if it's within the specifications or not automatically without any human intervention and make a determination right up front in the process if the part is good or not for further manufacturing steps dramatically improves the productivity, dramatically improves the, the accuracy of measurements and the whole quality assurance process. That's another great example of combining the factory IoT data with machine learning. And also in the area of service technicians, you see service technicians going in, repairing parts. And this has become, by the way, a huge business in itself. Companies are moving from selling products To selling outcomes, as an example, a turbine that can run for 10,000 hours, and that's what you're pricing for. And the underlying technology behind that is machine learning, which is looking at this vast amount of IoT data and making predictions on what is going to break, when, and what actions are needed to rectify them on a proactive basis. So these are some of the examples, but but coming back to the point, I think you're here marrying the vast amount of big data coming from the industrial appliances, the sensors, the IoT with machine learning, which is a very, very potent combination. It's got great potential. There's a term that we're using, Industries 4.0, that directly refers to some of what I talked about just now. Thank
2: you, Ryan. Alex White, love to get your thoughts. What about all of these wonderful applications and this need for IoT to be married with machine learning and where AI comes in? Well, what's your thought about putting this all together?
3: Yeah, I think it's, it's a virtuous cycle, actually, is the mm-hmm. way to think about it. So you're, you're layering knowledge and understanding on top of greater knowledge and understanding to get real metadata in each cycle that you go through. So as Ryan described, you know, at the, at the edge in the factory um, at the picking stage or in the, the turbine simulation whilst the plane is in flight, b- because you've done the work to understand a deeply trained model, uh, how, a, how an engine should perform, how a robot should pick, how the supply chain should work, you're able to look for those anomalies. At the edge, you're able to put a smart device, a smart meter, if you like, uh, at at the edges of the network or whatever this thing is, uh, be it a turmoil or a factory or a, a supply chain. And because you're capturing it at the edge, you actually don't need to store all the data. You don't need to take that data away. You simply need to look for the anomalies. What is it telling you? What insight is it giving you that you can use to predict failure, predict outcomes, predict what might happen next? And I think that you know, this, this is the point, that AI needs to happen in the real world. No one's building a self-driving car to keep it in the garage. It needs to be able to run on the road. So you need to build a, uh, a scientific model that is trained on millions of miles of road use, uh, thousands, trillions of bits of data that are collected every day whilst it's on the road and make sense of all that based on what does normal look like. So you know that something has run into the road, uh, that you're, just, you're changing the journey uh, for the reason of a diversion or an accident ahead or information's coming through um, another navigation system to tell you that you need to change course. These, these things are inferring based on what they've learned, what they've been trained, and what the data is telling them actually in practice in the factory in the car in the thing as it's uh, as it's operating so I, I agree this is empowering iot this is going to make it a reality but actually it's a cycle it's a it's a virtuous cycle of improvement so the more you go through this cycle the more miles you do in the car the better you are understanding and predicting uh, any eventuality when that car or that vehicle or that train or that plane is uh, is in flight or on the road
2: Thank you, Alex. And, and I'm looking at your notes, Alex. Uh, I want to pick up two of your points you sent me before the show, and let's combine them. At the end of my intro, and we've already spoken a little bit about this, I asked you if there's any company in business and industry that wouldn't benefit from AI, machine learning, this sci-fi stuff we're debunking right now that is part of business, business critical, the real world. So I'm going to pick up two thoughts here, and I, I'm going to ask you to combine them for us. You say, number one, getting started with AI can seem daunting. That's the first claim. The second one is the long-held nervousness about the impact that AI and automation will have on certain industries or professions seems to be intensifying. So it seems to me, Alex, you're making a case for it's daunting for a very, very good reason. So help us through this. How can companies get past the daunting and past the nervousness? Go ahead, Alex.
3: Yes. Yeah, so I, I try to choose those uh, examples in a way to stimulate the debate because, first of all, as I said in introduction with the quote I I used, I think the emphasis is on taking action. It it, it should not be daunting if you take the first steps. And the first steps, in my view, are for for most companies, certainly large enterprises have a a huge advantage here, but every company has data. So the first step is really making sure you have access to that data. There are many companies who are relying on a service provision where the data is held by a third party. Or well, the data is being captured by a third party and used for their own purposes. But it, it's important to understand the data that you have as part of your IP and be able to, to to touch it. And once you have access to that data, then you know collecting the logs and starting to make sense of the data using existing tools that are widely available is actually pretty easy to do. And there's a lot of work that's been done. A lot of companies out there who are offering. Um, in some cases, package software to get started. You Mm -hmm. you don't need to be highly skilled. If you have access to the data, you can make a start with a relatively small amount of data with a simple framework, a a deep learning framework, to start training patterns from the data that you've collected to make sense of it. Once you understand it, once you understand what the data is telling you, then, back to what Ryan was talking about in the factory, you can start Mm -hmm. to think about inferencing that model in the real world so from the data you trained to go and spot anomalies okay what does that anomaly tell me well here something's broken the the supply chain was broken the service interval was missed uh the, the machine stopped working or whatever it, it might be i think those simple patterns that simple start to making sense of the of the data that you already have around you is something that every company can benefit from and by the way you know secondly Mm-hmm. It's not just me saying this. You know, fundamentally, um, all of industry is saying that this is going to be revolutionary. This is going to change business processes. So I think most commentators agree. Infosys, uh, for example, just released a report this year. They interviewed 1,600 business leaders, and three quarters, 75% of those respondents from multinational corporations cited AI as fundamental to the success of their organization's future strategy. Fundamental to the success. from the same survey believe that that growth was dependent on large-scale AI adoption. So this is already happening. Gartner is talking about it. They're talking about AI uh, chatbots, which will power 85% of all customer services by 2020, for example. So what I was talking about at the beginning is already Mm -hmm. an expectation that I have when I'm interacting with these services. The majority of those services in a very short period of time, in the next two to three years, will be powered by AI inside a chatbot that is thinking at the speed of thought, as you ask the question or as you input the the parameters that uh, you'll be asked questions to respond, it will reply with instant information. That goes way beyond how we have been thinking about customer service even a few years ago where if I pause for a moment on this radio show, even for a few seconds, it would seem like an unacceptable delay, right? Right. In business, that's an unacceptable delay. Unless you're sub-second, the speed of thought, you're not going to be as competitive. You're not going to be as uh, compelling in terms of customer service. You're not going to wow your customers. You're not going to uh, attract customers away from your competitor. That's why this is is pervasive, and that's why it's uh, powering research in every industry around the world.
2: Alex, I thank you for that. I just want to cover the part about the nervousness is intensifying where, you say, in certain industries and professions. Are they afraid of losing their jobs? Are they afraid of having to retrain people? Is it Robotsville coming down the pike to a, to a factory or to a business near you? Is there too much automation? What's the nervousness about If you could just briefly tell us, and then I'll get Ryan in on this.
3: Yeah, I think, um, first of all, there's a ongoing debate that needs to be had in terms of use of these technologies so that we're better informed, so that we're ready to, as a society, to embrace them. And, and fundamentally, there is a concern about jobs. My, my own view on that is that AI will create more jobs than, than it replaces. It, it will replace basic, manual, so-called automated tasks today that will be super-automated by technology, things like invoice matching to purchase orders or... Um, reviewing legal documents. You can simply train a machine to do that much faster than a human being. And why, why would a trained lawyer need to spend their time reviewing papers before a court case if a machine could give them that information they could spend their time preparing to argue the case in court? So this is augmenting the way in which we act, but it, it, it fundamentally relies on the observation of that and acceptance by governments and educators and businesses to retrain and reskill. And if I can quote from the emphasis survey uh, one more yes. time, they recognize this and feel feel that it's actually the uh, second point that they uh, use in, in, in their summary findings. The fact that 80% of companies um, where they think about replacing existing roles with AI, they're also uh, planning to invest in skills development, And the majority of those companies surveyed actually feel that uh, that they will uh, hire more new roles than Mm -hmm. they will replace old ones.
2: Very interesting. There's an optimistic note in there. Ryan Viru Butler, what do you think? We covered a lot of territory with Alex White. What about the getting started with AI? What about the intensity of the fear of AI and automation in certain industries? Ryan, love your thoughts, please. Sure.
4: So let's start with getting started with AI. Um, it is a new, uh, from enterprise perspective, for the typical IT organizations, machine learning is a new technology. And whenever you're starting a new technology, it's always the first few steps are hard. So I understand the daunting word that was used. But I think most companies uh, are taking steps to make that process, that journey, much more easier for companies. There are uh, frameworks around machine learning that are coming, that are automating most of the basic algorithms. Uh, There are applications being developed that make the whole consumption of machine learning technology a lot more easier for an IT organization, for an end user, where they just implement the application And the application provider masks the complexity in the whole AI algorithm or the machine learning algorithm. So I agree the first steps can always be difficult, but uh, enough work is going in to make this technology readily accessible for uh, organization of any size, be it a Fortune 500 company or a very small company that does not have... Uh, the, the skilled IT resources, there an application play is much more applicable. Also, I, I have a slightly different perspective on, on the need. If you uh, – so the reality here is data is here. There is vast amounts of data, and as Alex said, we have to process this data because that is what is the competitive differentiator. Mm -hmm. Now, the traditional way to process this gigantic amounts of data was to hire data scientists, which to me is more daunting than having a machine go through this process in an automated way using machine learning. So that's how I see it. I mean, in, in, in my view, and this is slightly contrarian, I think machine learning makes the life of a CIO easier, not harder, because he doesn't have to have an army of data scientists but his machines are actually intelligent enough to pick up the patterns and anomalies. So that's about uh, machine learning adoption. Now, you covered another very, very important topic. Alex referred to the disruption that's going to mm-hmm. cause. And it's clear at this point that there is going to be a disruption. There's going to be a displacement of resources. And we as a society need to address how we bring in the AI technology and manage this disruption. And it's a broader topic. There's obviously some fears and widely reported robots, well, kind of fears, or even the fears of a Frankenstein robot that's going to be more intelligent than humans at some point. To me, all that is a little bit science fiction out there. I don't think we need to worry about those Frankenstein scenarios right now. But mm-hmm. I do think it's incumbent on all of us, all the major industries and thought leaders to get together, understand the impacts on society, and take steps to address and, uh, the, the change in, in a meaningful way where the society is better. And I'm glad to say a lot of the companies are getting together under the banner called uh, Partnership in AI. This is an open consortium. Uh, consisting of all industry leaders, Google, Facebook, of course, SAP and NVIDIA are part of it as well. The whole objective of this group is to get together and discuss how we can, uh, we can use mm-hmm. machine learning and artificial intelligence for overall betterment of society and address some of those disruptions that we talked about on a proactive basis. So, I'm very hopeful as the industry consortium develops, partnership in AI develops, we will work together to, to solve some of these thorny issues around ML AI.
2: Thank you, Ryan. And you know what? It's time now for our crystal ball predictions round. And I saved just about 60 seconds for each of you. So I'm going to go around the table back to Alex Watt at NVIDIA. Alex, take a look in the future. I know that's what we have been talking about, but let's hone in on what you think would change significantly about this conversation if, and I hope we certainly do, we, the three of us, speak again. Could it be any time between now and I'm kind of keen on 2020? You know who said that, maybe. Uh, So what would happen, what will be happening about futuristic sci-fi versus business critical now, machine learning, deep learning ai iot automation robots businesses getting on board teaching their data accessing the data teaching the data to spot the anomalies as you so well put it what will change significantly tell me how far in the future 60 seconds alex white predictions go oh,
3: I'll do my best okay <laughs> First of all, i think this is all around us and it's happening now so it's 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 really about continuing trend of what we're already seeing uh, for example, there are 6,000 companies, we think, working with uh, AI innovation right now in the marketplace. We're connected to many of those. And secondly, just referencing what Ryan was talking about, I do agree that you know, the the industry is coming together, and we are collectively making it much easier to adopt uh, investment in software, investment in the frameworks, investment in making this work out of the box in the cloud on-premise. So it's available now to everybody, and it's pervasive. I think what we're going to see are three things, if I may... Near, medium, and longer term. Near term, as I already said, chatbots are going to be pervasive. I agree with Gartner. And I actually think you and I will want to use a service that has a chatbot. Because it will be a better service. It will simply be a fact. Secondly, medium term, 2020, and uh, uh, the next two or three years beyond, there will be around 25 million self-driving cars with self-driving, fully autonomous capability on the road. How is that going to impact insurance, how we think about car insurance and safety? reduction of the number of deaths on the road uh, making our kids safer when they learn to drive my son's 17 years old you know maybe in uh, less than a decade's time you won't have to take the same driving test certainly not in a manual car and your insurance Mm -hmm. is not going to be more costly than the car as it is in the UK and then longer term and again uh, probably the biggest uh, invention the biggest innovation that's happening is in healthcare right now I can imagine that we will solve we will reduce, significantly impact some of the biggest causes of death in society. So according to the World Health Organization, top 10 causes of death, more than 54% of total fatalities last year. Number one is heart disease. Number two is stroke. We are simply going to be able to detect and understand more about those two diseases than we ever could before based on big data, the ability Mm -hmm. to... Uh, to run big data on massive uh, technology capable machines and to have insight like we never had before and as i mentioned self driving cars starting to come onto the road starting to be more prevalent will take away 1.5 million roadside deaths that occurred last year completely unnecessary 75% of those were men and boys so this is for the betterment of society i think it's it's changing very very rapidly it's a virtuous cycle getting better and better. Uh, get started. Everybody is, uh, is, is going to benefit.
2: Thank you, Alex. I have, oh, my goodness, I have 40 seconds for Ryan's predictions. Ryan, just make it tight. Two sentences. Go ahead,
4: Ryan. Yours. Uh, sure, Bonnie. Um, so I think when we go see 2020, the discussion is going to be very different. From my perspective, by 2020, AI would be prevalent. Machine learning would be here in self-driving cars, in chatbots, in enterprise applications, everywhere. And the discussion is going to be somewhat different. We are going to be talking about the social impact of these, uh, these changes, this pervasive ML. We'll be talking about insurance rates, as Alex mentioned, or uh, doctors getting replaced with machines at emergency rooms. So We're going to have a different set of conversations. It's not going to be about is AI here or is it a futuristic concept, but more about what can I do now given AI is prevalent. Thank you.
2: That was brief and to the point. I appreciate it. I want to say thank you to my two very, very savvy panelists today, Alex White at NVIDIA and Ryan Verubatla at SAP. And a shout-out, of course, to Brad Borkin at SAP, the sponsor of this series. Brad, you did it again. Another home run. Great topic. Great panelists. And I will be back one hour from now with a new edition of, let's see what we've got here. Oh, our other show is today, Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation. We're going to be talking about retail digital transformation, freedom of choice for stores and shoppers. We have Sergey Gorloff from Petrosoft and Camila Dahlen at SAP. So I'm going to now do my call to action, and I want you to think about being a game changer. So here it is. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Alex White and NVIDIA, and just like Ryan Vera Butler. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I will be back in one hour. That's not a threat. That's a promise. Have a great one. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of the Future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.